This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. So, um, let me tell you about a hero of mine. You may know him. His name was, I get a little choked up when I talk about him. His name was Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime was his name. I remember as a young boy going to a movie. It's called Transformers. Can you see it? Can you see what I'm talking about? Imagine me being a little boy with my dad and my friend Chad Barthlow. We go into the movie theater. We're going to watch Transformers the movie. And I was so scared because when I, when I watched the trailer, I saw, sorry, I saw Prime get shot. And I thought he was going to die. Prime can't die. He's the hero. I remember his little toy. I used to play with it. I remember going into the movie and watching the very beginning when he showed up on the, the screen. And he was standing tall and strong. And I remember him saying this line. Megatron must be stopped no matter the cost. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? And I remember Prime driving down the hill, going and beating almost all of the Decepticons single-handedly. I remember the scene, he jumped in the air. Do you, you see what I'm saying? In the movie, he jumped in the air and he was shooting them left and right, left and right. He fell down and got up and started shooting the other ones left and right. And then he saw Megatron. And then a fight happened. And then this guy named Hot Rod jumped in the way. Eventually leading to Optimus Prime's demise and death. Did did you hear my story? Did did you hear my report? Well, today we're going to talk about a report given by a prophet named Isaiah. He's going to reference the only hero there ever really was. The only hero you'll ever need. But the problem with this hero is he doesn't look like the way we thought he would look. If I referenced to you Optimus Prime or some basketball player or football player, you would probably in your mind think of somebody who is great, bold, strong, articulate, intelligent, moral, Or maybe even immoral. I don't know. Some people like Deadpool. I don't know what's wrong with you. But you would think this hero is great in stature, has a commanding presence. Well, Isaiah, while the Jews were in captivity, describes the Messiah. He's given a report of what he sees 700 plus years into the future. And while he's in either Babylon or under the Persian occupation, he's talking to the people around him about that Messiah. And people start getting concerned and worried. I'll pause there and we'll get back to it really quickly. This week is the last week, well, last week of our sermon series, God Has Done It. Next week, we have a special guest speaker, Pastor David Price. So please come out, support Pastor David. He's been working hard and praying. 
I told him he, he, he it's, a, it's a condensed sermon, though, so he got a little frustrated. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but we also break into small groups next week as well. So next week, if you have people who've never been to small groups, next week is the time to come. But I hope you come out and listen to what God's going to speak through Pastor David Price. So God has done it. Uh, this is the last time you're going to see this model up here. Get this in your brain. Before Jesus Christ had been gone in a sense 40 days, so 40 days after his resurrection, over 500 plus people saw him. Think about that. And not one of these testimonies, not one of these accounts have been refuted. Not one. That should be empirical, historical evidence. That should be enough to get us to believe that this is all true. If you take the time and stop and think about it, how come not one person comes out and says, you know what, James was lying. He was with Target. He was at Target with me. No, Mary was lying. Mary wasn't there. She was over there and at Kmart. I don't know if you have Kmarts up here. The disciples, they didn't see Jesus because they were with me at McDonald's. You don't have one, not one written testimony refuting any of these 500 plus, in a sense, experiences with Jesus Christ. Not one. What does that mean? This is all true. We're not making this up. We're not here this Sunday just to, in a sense, tickle your ears. We're here to tell you objective truth. There's a man in heaven whose name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. There's a man. There's a man in heaven who's coming back. And these experiences we have with each other Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, event after event are all to testify that we too have seen this Jesus. Maybe not with our eyes, but we've seen him with our heart. Because of that, we've lived, we've made a decision to live our lives in such a way that others will see Jesus Christ through us. I got a quote and we'll be chucking along. From Philip Yancey, if you ever want to read a great book, <laughs> read any of his books. They're really, really good, particularly on grace. But he has a quote. It says, love was compressed for all history in that lonely figure on the cross who said that he could call down angels at any moment on a rescue mission, but chose not to because of us. At Calvary, God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. This is the last week we're going to reflect on God's victory at the cross. This is the last time this week, this month, we're going to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. And this week, we're going to talk about rejoicing because of Jesus' selfless sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of people who try to articulate, particularly in a Bible study here, we talk about what agape love is. And to me, the best definition of agape love is selfless love. Because when I'm loving my wife right, hey, I get some benefits from loving my wife the way I want to love my wife. But that's not selfless necessarily. Selfless love intrinsically has no guarantee of benefits. If you're selflessly loving somebody, there is no 
benefits from it. You're loving them for their sake alone. To me, that's one of the best definitions of agape. And looking at Jesus Christ on the cross, which is probably one of the most complex events in all of reality, Jesus Christ conveyed this type of love on the cross. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 12. If we had unlimited time, I'd probably tell you to go back in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 52. And I'd probably say turn to verses 11 or 13, around 12 or 13. Because we know the chapters in the Bible weren't originally there. And if you go back to Isaiah 52 around 12 or 13, this, this, this scripture here actually starts there in 52. But because of editors, it happened a, a couple of thousand years ago when they were putting, the, a couple hundred years ago or a hundred thousand years ago or no, a couple thousand years ago when they were putting the Bible together, they actually added chapters to it. So we, in our Western mind, would understand and have some context. But if you go back to chapter 52, there is an amazing scripture there. And it's referencing, like here, Isaiah's report of what he sees. Remember, at this time, Israel is under occupation. They're, they're in captivity. They're in, quote, quote, slavery, for lack of a better term, just to get an understanding of where they're at. And while they're in this context, Isaiah is giving constant prophecies over the course of his entire life. And around chapter 39, all his prophecies change from, in a sense, judgment to restoration. But in the restoration aspect of Isaiah's book, there are these funny scriptures, 52 and 53 of Isaiah. But if you go like in the middle of chapter 52, there's this point I got to make before we jump into today's scripture. It talks about Jesus Christ. It says he was marred more than a man, meaning that he was beaten to such a degree that when people looked at him, he did not even look like a man. It's trying to put gravity on how much punishment Jesus took before he got on the cross. Jesus wasn't just slapped around. Even though the passion of Christ was very graphic, it's nothing compared to the biblical account of what happened to Jesus. Even though a bone in his body wasn't broken, the Bible makes it explicitly clear that he was beaten beyond measure. They couldn't even recognize him. The point I'm going to make today is a conjecture. So I'm throwing it out there, but I have a couple of scriptures to back it up. Think about this. When Jesus Christ was resurrected, people had a difficult time identifying him as Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Remember, Jesus Christ was first resurrected, and Mary came and saw him, correct? And she said, she thought he was the what? The gardener. If you have taken his body, please tell me where it is. And then when she heard his voice, she said what? Teacher. Remember, when the two gentlemen were walking on the road to Emmaus, they're walking with Jesus the entire time. But they didn't even know who he was until he broke the bread. Let me give you another example. Remember when the disciples are out there fishing. And they're like, oh, it's the Lord. They jumped out on the boat. They started swimming. They got there. 
And they said no one wanted to ask him because they were afraid, almost, I guess, to insult him. But they still didn't know who he was until he started talking. The last time when Jesus walks in the door and says, peace be unto you, it says the disciples were frightened, not just because he walked through the door, but Jesus looked fundamentally different than what he looked like while he was ministering for 33 years of his life. What is the point I'm trying to make to you? Get this point. When I think about Jesus Christ, I think about Jesus Christ one day being the what? The, the lion. I think about Jesus Christ being bold and brave and strong. But that's not how God has communicated Jesus Christ to look like. Jesus Christ was broken beyond measure. The Bible calls Jesus the slain lamb before the foundation of the earth. I'm going to make this point, and this is my thought. I do believe that Jesus Christ still physically is distorted. I believe when you see Jesus, you're going to know what? He was beaten for you. The Bible says he still has the what? The nails, the scars on his hands and feet. It doesn't talk about the rest of his body. When I think about Jesus being broken for all eternity physically, Imagine every time you see him, it's a reminder of what he did for you. Imagine, he could have made himself look like Arnold's Rockenegger, LeBron James, Cam Newton. I don't care, who is it like, I don't, he could have made Denzel or Brad Pitt, John Bon Jovi, I don't know. But he be broken for all eternity for us so that we remember what he did for us. Really quickly, Isaiah chapter 53 starts out like this. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is almost like a title. But imagine Isaiah talking to his cohorts, the people around him. And now Isaiah is telling everybody about his hero. And he's looking in the future. He's like, look, look, I, I see him. It says he'll, he'll, he'll grow up before, before him, before God as a, as a tender plant, like a small tree. He's trying to describe what he sees 700 plus years in the future. He's like, as a root out of dry ground, like something miraculous comes from nothing. He's like, this is the Messiah. He's like, wait a minute. He has no form or comeliness. And when the people are looking at him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's like, man, I see the Messiah. I see, I see, and wait a minute, he's not that hot. He's not that attractive. There's nothing about him that is appealing. Oh, my goodness. And people are like, well, well Isaiah, you see, what, what do you see? I say, how are we reacting to him? And he's like, well, He's despised and rejected by men. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief, and, and we, we, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we didn't, we didn't esteem him. We didn't even think he was important. 
We looked at him and we rejected him. We saw him. We're like, that can't be the Messiah. That can't be the hero. He didn't look like the way I thought he would look. He's like, well, well, what is he doing? He's like, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He said, listen to this, yet, even though he's doing all these great things, which we don't understand, we, in the future, we esteemed him, we considered him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He's like, man, look, the people around him are thinking that God is punishing him because of his behavior. Like, everybody's like, that's your hero? That's our hero? That's the man we're waiting on? What's happening? Why is, he, why is this happening? What's going on? And then he goes on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. He gets theological. He's like, man, we're missing it. He doesn't look like the way we thought he would look. Look, he's not being treated like the way we thought. But something's happening. God's using him for something for our issues, for our sins, for our shortcomings, for our faults. God is using him to fix us, to make us whole. He said, what? What is happening? Why does God have to fix us? He goes on to say, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, our iniquities. He's like, everybody's doing their own thing. They're sinning. They're making mistakes. They don't even care what God wants. And because of the attitude and disposition, we all deserve to be punished. No one is innocent. Not one of us. Biblically, we all deserve punishment. And Jesus Christ took the punishment for us. <laughs> he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He's like, he, he acted like he didn't even know where he was going. He was acting like he was naive. I like this next part. And as a sheep before its shears is silent. I actually looked that up on YouTube because I was unsure. Is that real? So I looked it up and time after time, the sheep, they would, they'd be getting like clipped. And they would just sit there. And the guy would just be, it's a phenomenon. But that's how Jesus was. He willfully submitted to God's plan for his life. He did not complain. The only human being, the only entity in all eternity who had a right to complain was him. And he chose not to. Goes on, he was taken from prison and from judgment and who would declare a generation an interesting comment there? But in the Jewish tradition, if a man, in a sense, needed to have a, a kid, a son, to pass on his name, but he was taken away so quick that nothing could be done. He was unjustly judged. 
and did not complain. It says, why? Because he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And everybody's listening to Isaiah like, what is this all about? I'm confused. That's not our hero. Yes, it is. He went on and said, and he made his grave, and they made his grave with the wicked. This is interesting. But with the rich at his death. So Jesus Christ was supposed to go with the, the criminals. But we know a man, a wealthy man, allowed Jesus' body to rest in his grave. But he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And this is the interesting part. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God was smiling at this. He was, yes, God was happy. Internally, externally, God was like, good job. It says, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall, shoot me, when you make a soul, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It's hard to understand the tense here, but what is happening is this. That as the Passover lamb was in a sense prayed over, the sins were placed on the Passover lamb. And it was sacrificed for the people. So too for you. When you place your sins, place your trust in Jesus, and he is punished. And then you are made right with God. And then the doors of blessings are open for you from that point on for all eternity. It says, he shall see the labor or the travail of his soul. He shall see everything that Jesus suffered. And God will be satisfied. By Jesus' knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, because of all that Jesus did here on the earth, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, because of his obedience, it says, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors and bore the sins of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Looking at Jesus' life practically, for all intents and purposes, he lost. When he went to the cross, barely one person was still with him. His ministry didn't become a mega ministry. He didn't have a book ministry. He didn't get a private jet. He didn't have as many people come to him as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was like bowling, but he wasn't. Matter of fact, people hated Jesus so much that they killed him. Loser. But because of his faithfulness to God, he received the highest honor. Make sure you know what success is in God. Jesus was beaten, battered, and bruised, and scarred. And he will be scarred for all eternity. But it should elicit within us an attitude of gratefulness. Thank you, God. Got a couple points and we're done. What do we need to know? Jesus was tortured and punished because of our behavior. It's our behavior issue. We make bad choices. And because we made bad choices, there are consequences. As we talked about earlier last month, our choices reflect the condition of our heart. 
There's a wisdom of this world that is enticing, trying to pull us away. And if we yield to that, there are consequences. Obey God. Why do we didn't know it? <laughs> I don't even talk to my wife. That was my editing fault. It says you would have, excuse me, you would have been punished if Jesus hadn't given you his life. This is what people don't realize. Every human being on the planet understand and acknowledge this truth. It's one of the hardest ones to accept. Every human being born on this earth deserves to be punished. That's a hard fact to wrestle with. Because you think, well, wait a minute. What about the guy in India? What about the guy in Japan? What about the guy in Africa? Biblically, everyone needs Jesus Christ. If that were not the case, then there would be no need for us to go to the ends of the earth. We could all sit home. But God commands us to reach every tribe, tongue, and language, every color, every person on this planet, hopefully will have the opportunity of hearing the gospel. And you may be the person who brings them that gospel. What do we need to do? Rejoice because Jesus was selfless. He didn't think about himself. Not one single step. Every action, every thought, and every deed he did was for you, was for your family, was for your kids. For those of you who have kids, there's hope. Not just for their salvation, but you can see their smile forever in eternity. They might not call you daddy and mommy in heaven. They may be your brother or sister. I don't know how that's going to work out. But I trust God for it anyway. God made a way for all of us to be saved. We got to accept it. Why do we need to do it? So we'll respond to Jesus the way he deserves. He deserves to be responded to out of the bottom of your soul. He made a way out of no way. Some of you have experienced here in this life restoration and redemption. You've seen God come through for you. And because of that, some of you feel indebted to God. This here, oh, more. He made a way past death. That's what this is all about. I got another gray hair this week, y'all. <laughs> I got it. It's coming. My life is coming to an end. One day, I'm going to shut my eyes to this earth. But... In a heartbeat, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And that truth gives me strength to be vulnerable to whatever life has ahead of me. So how can I help you remember? Remember this. He didn't have to do it. But he did. Jesus didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. Does that make sense? He didn't have to do it, but he did. He didn't have to do it, but he did it for you. He wanted to do this. And he did it not just for what's going to happen here, but for eternity. 
It's my hope for you today that you will let your heart soar. You'll take this gospel as objective truth that everybody needs. That you'll put all your hope and confidence in Jesus. That sometime during this week you'll, with your family, pray. You'll open your Bible and you'll learn more about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That you'll call your family and you'll say, I love you. Even if you've never told your family you loved it before. You'll call your friends and say, it's going to be okay. And if they ask you why, why are you acting different? Why are you acting funny? You say, he is risen. And that's my hope. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this day, Lord God. You've been more than faithful. Thank you for your saints, Lord, that you love. You love them, Lord. And Lord God, even though you may not look like our hero physically, you are our hero eternally. Lord, help us hold on. Help us love you. Help us love others. Help us be patient and kind and gentle. Help us be just like you. Help us admire your qualities. Even though we don't hear the people cheering us on, Lord God, when, t- when tests and temptations come, Lord God, help us remember in our heart, help us take that pause and consider how you would act in every scenario. Is there someone here today that you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior while every head is bowed and every eye is closed? If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just raise your hand really quickly and put it down and we'll pray for you. Is there one? There may be somebody here today you walked away from Christ and you need to be refreshed, restored. Is there anyone here today you want to come back home while every head is bowed and every eye is closed? Just raise your hand and put it down and we'll pray for you. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, God, bless us today. Lord, God, strengthen this church and build us up. Help us do what it is you've called us to do. To love you. Help us love the one who created us and died for us and who's coming again to give us an eternal reward. Help us do what's logical, what's obvious. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.